Hi, welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that is not about perfection. It is about purposeful progression. We are trading out feelings of discontent, anxiety, fear, and defeat for joy, peace, freedom, and hope. I feel like I am bringing you this message almost urgently before something else happens. I sincerely apologize that there's been a break in some of my recording. I have a daughter who has some chronic illnesses that took a severe turn. And at this point, um, we've been in and out of doctor offices, hospital, and so forth for quite a bit. She's got something now neurologically going on, we believe. Um, that is actually putting her in a wheelchair. So it's been pretty tremendous. I want to tell anyone else who's going through something like that, no matter how hard it gets and no matter how bleak it looks, don't give up, keep having hope, keep having faith. And, um, yeah, I'm walking in with you, but, um, every, time that I try to work on this episode and this episode is now growing into basically a series because I was like I don't really know where to go next and I felt a path that God was kind of leading me on and all this stuff kept leading me down this way but every time I usually even it's unreal that every time I've tried to work on it something happens some major interruption something really important I have to throw it aside even like today I was like no matter what I'm getting this done <laughs> spilt water all over or tea actually tea all over my um, papers I don't even really write on papers I just had to write on paper because that's what I had just been having because I've been all over the place hospitals doctors and so forth but <laughs> this time I'm like, I'm going to get this down before I completely lose it or before I can't read the papers I spilled all over. <laughs> um, I can't read them anymore. Um, so hopefully that this still came together the way it was meant to be, because I feel like obviously it's something huge when, when God's or when God's pushing something so hard on my heart and the enemy is fighting so hard against it. Let's just say it that way. But I'm going to dive in and hopefully again, I pray that this, I pray that his hand is on this and that you hear what you need to hear because I feel like it's really important and share it. If you feel like don't, don't share it in a way like, Oh yeah, this is definitely for you and not for me. I think that this is for all of us, but, um, share this. So, and, and help support us as well. But the biggest part is getting his word that he gives out. So it starts with this. We often get so comfortable being uncomfortable that we stay in the safety of discomfort, even when we are miserable due to the safety of what we know. I know we have talked plenty about fear and and so forth and so much of this stems from things like fear of failure fear fear of the unknown fear of changes fear of difficult i was reading the bible and i can't remember exactly what led me specifically to this image and it and it may be one part about moses but i recently have been 
inundated with just any kind of water scripture that exists and there's a lot um but remember that you know jesus says you know he's the living water and that when you know we we get the living water we won't thirst anymore so my path has just been (laughs) completely surrounded by water but this was the image that I got. Have you ever come across stagnant water? I would bet if you've spent any time outside, at some point in time, you've seen some stagnant water. Now, often is it a, it is a spot where there's a major blockage, a beaver dam or something that cuts off the flow of water. When the water stops moving and it stays stagnant, what does it become? It becomes a healthy breed, or sorry, it becomes an unhealthy breeding ground for bacteria, mosquito, and just all kinds of nasty things. Fish cannot live in stagnant water. You cannot live on stagnant water. If you drink from that pool, you would become very sick. So not to bring a negative element to this podcast, but we often find ourselves sitting stagnant. Nothing's moving or changing, and we feel the impact of that. Our minds and feelings become a cesspool of muck and mire that we desperately want to get out of, but we're just stuck. We have become comfortable with the misery just because it is at least a misery we know, and we would rather face that than what we don't know. So we're going to go down the proverbial river of thought on this topic. And for more than the next few episodes, however this leads, I've kind of got a general path in in mind, given again by God. Um, But I think if you follow along with me and and we walk through this together, this is so God-driven, I really think that this could truly impact your life. So today we're going to talk about what's stopping that flow of water, that flow of movement, flow of change, how to get that initial unstuck. Um, There's some kind of dam, there's some kind of blockage often in our mind or life that keeps us stuck. And sometimes there's more than one. So today we're going to really work on breaking that dam and we're going to seek the living water. And we're going to start with three steps. So number one, as we already mentioned, it is seeking. There are many things that can keep us frozen from where we're at. Sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. So the truth of the matter is seeking absolutely starts with prayer. Ask God to show you what is holding you back. Even if you think you know, I would really push you to open that door and it's again scary but but this is you'll understand why you want this so bad (laughs) by the end of this podcast I really believe so it starts with prayer what's holding you back pray that he helps you see all the things and to work with you this is not all on you at all to work with you to defeat it for good and then I'm not asking you to jump on the treadmill. I'm not asking you to start a business today. I'm not asking you to write a book. I'm asking you to start opening your Bible and letting God work. That's it. 
pretty simple task. Just start opening the Bible. Pray and open the Bible. The Bible promises in Matthew 7, about 7 through 11, that if we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will open. It says, if the evil give good gifts to their children. Think about people who maybe don't believe or even really bad murderers may give amazing gifts to their children at Christmas time. How much better are good gifts for those who ask from God, who loves you so much? Now, this sometimes gets construed as like he becomes like this genie, and that's not what we're talking about, but this fits exactly this. If you're, if you're truly seeking his will, and you're seeking his plan, and, and you're seeking freedom from those things that are keeping you from all the glory he has um, planned for your life to, again, bring him glory... If you are if you're asking for that, does that not fit in the will of God? How much more would he be willing to do for you than um, than someone who who just doesn't believe in God that gives a gift for his own child, right? Hopefully that makes sense, but that's biblical. So what are the dams, the blocks that you have? What is holding the water in? Well, number one is probably always going to be fear. I already said it in this episode, and there's a whole another episode on fear if you really want to dive deep. There is a ton of scripture, and I feel like one of the biggest ways to get beyond fear, it's not going to be by you just getting over it. <laughs> um, there is some truth to facing fear, but it's showing up with the Word of God. It is showing up not alone, but with Jesus beside you, praying on it, memorizing scripture, and then you, or you have that scripture in hand, and then you and Jesus walk right beside, right next to each other, side by side, into the lion's den. And one of my favorite scriptures for this is 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-control. And... The power that that just the word itself has and you just constantly reading and memorizing and saying that scripture aloud and proclaiming it over your life. I cannot tell you what that will do for you. So, um, but, but the thought that you can just overcome on your own, I mean, I don't know about you, but let's just say I'm in my mid-40s now and... Um, you can't, if you haven't gotten over it by now, even if you're in your 20s, if you haven't gotten over it in all these years, it's, it's not going to just be just you. It ne- you need something else. You're not a failure for having not gotten over that fear yet. You just haven't armed yourself the way that you need to. Okay, so <laughs> another really big one is forgiveness. And don't worry, I also did a two-part episode on forgiveness, but you can skip to the meat of it in part two if you want to, again, deep dive. And forgiveness is hard. There's a big reason that he, he, that Jesus spent so much time talking about forgiveness. It's not easy. We're going to be offended. We're going to be hurt. He pretty much he does he's he promises you this is gonna happen and you're gonna have to get really good at forgiving and it can also be forgiving yourself but the power of forgiveness is tremendous 
you cannot also underestimate the power of the lack of forgiveness and what that can do to keep you in a place that you don't want to be. Forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation, and it doesn't dismiss the actions of what someone did. It is a process of letting go. It's, it's also a pro- process of trusting God to, to um, you know, let, let the justice be on, on him and not you. And it says that in the Bible. But it, it sometimes I continually letting go. It comes up. It hurts again. Um, you think about it or they, some, somebody mentions it again and it hurts again and you just keep letting go. You keep giving it to God. You keep praying through it. You keep forgiving. You keep that hate and uh, malice and all the things out of your heart. And this is, again, it's not a path that you walk alone. You go to battle with Jesus and you go with the only offensive weapon in the armor of God and that is the word. And again, we're just going to keep throwing some scripture at this and you can find your own. There's so much, but uh, a great one is Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. And that means everybody, by the way, <laughs> tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And there's a lot of weight in that of, there's a many verses about as God forgave you, that that constant reminder that we're supposed to forgive like the level that God forgives us and that we want God to forgive us <laughs> to the, the, you know, as you know, throwing them as the, the sins and the mistakes we make as far as the East was from the West. And to do that, we, you know, for him, like we need to do the same, like, our level needs to be on his level and that is one of the only times that god's like i need you to meet me where i'm at (laughs) exactly where i'm at um because he has a lot of grace and so forth but this is a big push and he knows it's for the better of us so i'm not saying it's easy i'm just saying it's necessary so but you don't have to do the forgiveness path alone. And there's there's so many, there's books, there's there's YouTube videos. I mean, I had to go on a process um, and I still have to keep going on the process. I can't be done because there's things that keep happening. And um, so it's, it's a continual process and you just keep, if you go and dwell in the pool of forgiveness, you'll walk out clean, okay? That's the best way I can say it. I'll just use some more water analogies, but those are probably the two biggest ones. There's others. I mean, there's self-doubt. Well, doubt in general. I mean, there's there's self-doubt and general doubt, doubt of all kinds of stuff, but that still kind of goes hand in hand with fear, if that makes sense. And then there's negativity and there's comfort. And for comfort, one that I've always loved is Hebrews 12, 11. And this one is like a I'm sure it's a little bit like you say it with gritted teeth at first, but eventually <laughs> you you believe it and you 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 work through it. But Hebrews 12:11 is a great one. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, even painful. Later, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained for it. So he promises great things, like just push through. It's okay. Um, but sometimes when you don't have your own strength and you go to that scripture you'll have strength beyond what you think you have. But let's go ahead and kind of head into that general doubt because that self-doubt and doubt and so forth that leads us kind of to step number two. 
Okay, so step number two is the process of trusting. Some of you have been stagnant so long that it's more of a boulder that you need to have removed. But if God gave Moses the power to strike a rock and have water flow from it to relieve the thirst of all the Jewish people, he certainly has the power to help you to flow freely again too. In Exodus 36, God is instructing and guiding the Israelites in the middle of nowhere to build his temple. It is said that the Lord had gifted the craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Now, mind you that this wasn't like one guy had all the knowledge, wisdom, and strength and skill. It was when they needed um, a weaver who could masterfully weave the cloths needed for the curtains, they had just what they needed. When they needed someone who was amazing at stone or carving and so forth, they had exactly what they needed. So everybody played their part, but he, they had exactly what they needed. And when they started gathering materials to build exactly to his instructions, they are stirred to give, that's the important part. And then they realize that once they start giving and giving and giving, they have enough to do the work and they lack nothing. In fact, they have an abundance. Don't miss this. This is how God's glory works the best. It made no sense for them to have all the things they needed where they were and how they had to flee Egypt. They were instructed just to ask for stuff when they left Egypt. They did obey. And sure enough, the Egyptians just freely gave up all their wealth. It says they stripped them of their wealth. And if that isn't God, what is? Who just goes, yeah, you're my slave, you're leaving, and sure, I'll give you all my stuff. But they were lacking nothing, and these craftsmen, without realizing it, have been prepared for this very moment. They just had to be willing. So all of this kind of started with, I mean, God had been preparing them, and then when it came time, they just had to be willing God already had the plan and it was all in place. And I think that's tremendous. And so around this time, I was reading John four and there's the part where Jesus speaks to the Samaritan at the well. And there's, you know, a real quote unquote, not to make it light of it, but that what people call come to Jesus moment for her and even that whole area. And it was, it was an important part, but it struck me because I never noticed it says something about Jacob's well. And since I'm doing the part where it's really been a really cool thing, I encourage you to do so. Start reading in the Old Testament, reading in the New Testament at the same time. There's, you won't land on exactly the same things all the time, but it has amazed me because like I, I know, I think I've said before, I'm not reading chapter for chapter. Like I'm not reading one chapter in Genesis or one chapter saying, it wouldn't be John, it would be Matthew. But I'm not reading one for one all the time. That's the weird part is like when some just read a little faster or I'm like, I don't feel like I got a whole lot out of that. Like my word, I right now I'm reading through all the things about um, how to treat, like how they treated the, 
the skin diseases and unceremoniously clean, unclean and so forth. It's a tough bunch of chapters to get through and I'm just like, I just want to get through these. And and sometimes I do, a lot of times now, I am stopping and praying, God, what am I supposed to get from this? And um, a lot of times, like just like this part in Exodus 36 I was just telling you about, I've read that before and it just never hit me like it did this time but I do encourage you to 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 possibly venture on that because what I have seen because of that because the Old Testament is fresh in my mind while I'm reading the New Testament that uh, at least it's fresh in my mind and and I just keep seeing things I've never seen before and so it mentions sorry that tangent but it mentions about that this well that Jesus is sitting at is Jacob's well. And while I remember reading this little odd part of the Bible where Jacob kept trying to get a well, start a well, dig a well, whatever, and he keeps being forced to move, like, no, this is our well, you have to leave. And he does this, like, I believe it was five times, I could be wrong. But it's multiple times. And I thought, well, that's an odd story. And my word, how frustrating would that be, especially as dependent on, you know, wells as they were back then. It's not like they could, well, oh, well, I'll just go to the 7-Eleven and pick up a bottle of water. So he had to keep moving. But then I realized that all these years later that God had a bigger plan even for that well. And he needed it to be just in the right place so that Jesus and the Samaritan woman and the, the people around her could have that conversation it, it, it all fit in his in the right place ecclesiastes 3 1 says everything has a season and a purpose proverbs 19 21 says many plans in a person's heart you have a lot of plans but the lord's purpose prevails we may have a plan for that well to be right here he has a plan for it to be way over here and as hard as it can be sometimes be patient his way is better. His will is always higher than our way. So um, sometimes we're being forced to be moved physically, mentally, spiritually, etc. when you don't want to. And it's because God needs you in a different place to fit the plans that he has for you. But not to sound like a broken record, you can rest assured that Jeremiah 29:11 didn't just apply to Jeremiah. His plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So there's, I honestly thought of another whole situation with that whole, um, but I wanted to give you at least one real life application of that because I have seen this so many times in my life. Sometimes when things just aren't working, I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? Am I on the right path and this is just the enemy? Or am I on the wrong path that you're just trying to direct my steps? And when I go and I seek him and, and sometimes a lot of times he is gently trying to move me in a different direction and things aren't working, things aren't working. And when I am willing to move, things fall into place. So here is the quickest version I can give you without giving you (laughs) my whole life story. But, um, you know, I grew up uh, with a parent that was an accountant. Uh, Tax time was a huge stress point. And I also understood enough about tax law that it made me never want to do taxes, especially for other people. Um, But I did, out of that, have a passion for business and that 
the people who step out and try to do something on their own, I saw many fail. And weirdly, from an early age, I seemed to understand a lot of what they did wrong. So I went to school for business, and I, of course, still had to take several accounting classes, um, particularly in like the old school general ledger bookkeeping. Um, but then, at the time, I was I was working at. Um, a pharmacy actually, which has nothing to do with what I wanted to do, but I was frustrated with the job that I had on my own, and so my parent offered me a better gig. Um, it was more flexible at least, and I gave in and I went to work. And at this point, um, this is my father, he was doing less taxes and was more introducing people to software accounting. Um, which is the kind of the early days of personal computers. This was like a DOS-based program, if you have any clue what that is. Um, we also had a computer in our home from a really early age, and so that made me extremely adept for at technology, particularly for my age. I ended up working a lot with his clients to migrate like the software cleanup messes. Like I didn't understand the scope of what I was learning just by diving in and I didn't have fear because I was young and he just said, no, you can do this, just do this and just pull these strings and you'll, it'll make sense. And, uh, just, okay. And I believed it. And so I understood so much of what I was doing and then, and I never minded that stuff. I just was adamant. I wasn't going to be an accountant because I just didn't want to do taxes. So I moved away and I went on and I never escaped on that background. That background always kept me in higher positions at a desk doing similar things for the most part. And then suddenly I ended up at this call center and I end up learning because I'm like, I'm not a salesperson. I can't sell anything I don't believe in. I can't be contrived. Um, so um, I was like, if I'm going to do this. And there was parts I really loved because you don't think it's selling, but you're selling a program, but you're, you're doing um, personal financial counseling. And the, there's a lot that I believed in, but it was just it was very difficult hurdles to get over, get people to really talk about some of this stuff and, and to, to get them invested even in like, okay, I'm really going to get out of debt. Um, there's sales involved in that. And I was like, I believe in what we're doing, but I can't just be that person who just kind of shoves someone into it. So I had to figure out my own way and I did, it did well. And then I became a coach and then I became like the top coach over like the top team and so forth. And, um, I went from team to team and basically we always led the way because my way was very people invested. And I just understood how to, I don't know, I started to understand really how to get people to understand that they were doing this for themselves and, and so forth. I don't know, but it worked. And then I had my daughter and I left the workforce and I would just like freelance here and there. And sometimes that freelance often would be tied back to a lot of these similar skills. Um, then suddenly the oil field that had supported us for 11 years went into a quite concerning slump and so we decided to make some big shifts and I decided I, I could go back to work and um was still sort of homeschooling but the kids were pretty independent at the time and I was just gonna go part-time went to work for the post office and in a few years I was kind of pushed and shoved into some pretty high level positions 
even temporarily running my hometown office, which again involved a lot of those skills. Um, and some of it was even like really helping that business that like, it's weird, but you don't think of a post office as being profitable. It's a pseudo government, but there's things that they need to do to basically stay within budget and, and bring in more revenue and so forth. And, um, you know, I got to practice some of those skills even, um, there and <laughs> kind of worked myself out of a job because I've made it bump up a level and then I was out of the running <laughs> for the actual permanent position because it bumped up a level. Anyhow, long story, but that's okay. It all has a purpose. So, um, but so I went to work for like one of the largest um, ones in the area. It just got really ridiculous. Um, one, it was pushing me from like, start with five days a week, which is what it should be. Then it was six days a week, seven days a week, and like 12 plus hours a day. I was exhausted. Uh, I was, it wasn't anything there for my family. And that really bothered me. And, but, but even more so, I really hated the way that they weren't letting me lead the people way, people the way I knew how to lead them. I believe in empowering people. I don't micromanage them. I help them do their job effectively and everybody leaves happy and, and you feel it and the whole place has better morale and people work harder for you. And um, that they wouldn't let me lead people that way. So I left the company for what seemed like just, I'll just take a pay cut, take an easy enough job, desk job, working at a trucking company. Um, in fact, the regional manager of the post office called me, uh, not my boss, but her boss, uh, called me and tried to talk me out of leaving and said, you know, you'll never make as much money. Um, that was his primary reason. I'm like, you want to talk me out of leaving? Talk me out of leaving. And that was his ba- main thing. And I'm like, well, number one, money isn't everything. And number two, you don't know me. Um, I'm pretty capable of figuring things out. So I was pretty happy working at the trucking company because it was just easy. And it was uh, like pretty good company. Sometimes there were frustrations, but it got worse and worse. And then COVID hit and my department had a huge influx of drivers that were needing our loads and we had plenty of them. Um, but their routes were shut down because the manufacturing plants, um, were shut down and we were running toilet paper and we were running medical supplies. So we had plenty to go and we needed like, so they could come and take ours. The only thing was I was the only person in my department scheduling appointments and handling all this paperwork and things involved with all that. And just all these little bits and pieces. And I kept telling them, like, I just went from like having, um, like, let's just say I don't remember how many drivers, like, let's say 10 drivers to having like a hundred drivers. It was insane. And I'm like, I'm only one person. I need help. I just wasn't getting the help. And I was so frustrated. And here I was again, spending more time than I was supposed to be spending. And, but I was working from home and I was really enjoying not commuting and just being a lot more involved in the home again, but I was enjoying working still. And I, that was that breaking moment that I was like, you know what I need to do? I'm never going to be truly happy if I don't just start the business I've always wanted to start. And I don't even know what business I wanted to start. I just wanted to start a business. (laughs) I just knew I could be the entrepreneur that like having watched so many mistakes and, and, and successes that I knew I could do it. Um, but I, it had to be the right fit. It had to be like, not high risk and not high investment. Um, just because that's just, just that, that fear, to be honest, is that fear. 
And so it had to be like a safe net. And so I prayed and I looked and I thought and I prayed and I looked and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? But it was almost an urgent thing. And bookkeeping kind of sort of kept coming around as part of accounting. It was the part that I always liked. And it was a lot of what I did for my father and the, his clients and so forth. And even some of the all, all along the path. But in the past, it had to be like, you had to go to all these locations. It's like, how do you really make money when you're going all to these different locations? And how do you really make it profitable when it's a lot of people think of it as data entry, which is not. (laughs) But I really started studying more and like refreshed my skills and how can I do it remotely? And the thing was the world had completely changed because of COVID. And so people were more ready for virtual work and so forth. And, and I thought, how am I going to separate myself and make myself more competitive? And I realized that I understood a side of business that a lot of entrepreneurs don't. And I saw so many like CPAs and my own father hand uh, like over financial reports and the business owners just were like, thanks, this doesn't mean anything to me. Then I realized like all these years that I understood the connection of not only getting their finances organized and helping them better understand, um, you know, what's going on right now, but also helping them understand how to move the needle and help them be profitable and um, change their business. And that helps them be good stewards. It helps them do more for others. And, you know, I told my husband about this, like, I've got it. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And my husband's like, I don't really get it. I've never needed a bookkeeper. If you think so, you could try. Or he wasn't real convinced, but first client after that, he said, just quit, go all in. I believe in you. Even if I don't understand it, just quit your job. And the CEO of the trucking company tried to talk me out of it. But suddenly I knew this was what I have been prepared for all this time. And so it's been several years and the business has grown tremendously. And to the point where it got, I mean, it got to the point where I was like, I either have to cut cap I can't take any more clients or I've got to find help. And right then I opened, when I was willing to do it, the two perfect people, um, wonderful Christian women with the right kind of skills, just truly, like I didn't even seek. They were just like gifted. Here they are. (laughs) And um, I get to work with clients that, you know, I give them hope. And many of them, we pray, we talk biblical truth, we encourage them. Same with like the two women I work with. I mean, there are so many, so much Christian conversation in my everyday um, world and, you know, I'm helping them in ways that impacts their family, impacts their community. It is tremendously rewarding. And I am amazed every day when I look back at all these things, and sorry, that was a a little long story. I tried to make it short, but I'm amazed every day at how all these pieces came together. Every part of my life prepared me for what I'm doing now. And what I'm doing now is so fulfilling. And there's just nothing more life-changing than that. So if that, hopefully that story will encourage you and, and it really, again, it started with seeking because it didn't start off immediately with just stepping out and just, okay, I'm going to go start a business. It started with seeking what am, what do you have planned for me? What should I be doing? And, and just looking and praying and thinking and looking and praying and thinking until it suddenly made all, made all the sense. So 
here are some more amazing verses to memorize. And I want to reiterate, when I say memorize, don't think about like going back to school. I mean, like take the scripture, put it everywhere, read it multiple times a day until your heart just accepts it. <laughs> and it just, your heart knows it. I don't know how else to say that. But memorizing does not have to be a chore. It just will happen by you constantly focusing, dwelling, meditating, praying, and saying these scriptures. So Psalm 33, 11, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorites. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And if you're, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, you are called according to his purpose. (laughs) So, um, and what that purpose is, well, you just got to start taking the steps. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance, prepared in advance for us to do. Okay. So trust, got it. It's a process too. But the third step, and this one I'll try to keep a bit shorter, but it is giving. And this may seem like a very strange step to some, but sometimes the quickest way to get over your own blocks is to focus a little on someone else. Get off the selfish treadmill and look for those that need love or something else. Keep reading the Bible and praying over the rest, but take the time to focus elsewhere too. So this does not mean giving up so much of yourself that your cup isn't filled. You cannot pour from an empty cup. That's very important. So this is balance. But if you are only focused on you, you will likely miss at least some of your purpose. Here's the thing about God's plan. It's never without him, but it's rarely all by yourself. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 talks about how each person is like a body part. Christ is the head and we are all the bits and pieces and parts. We're all working for his kingdom. We will miss a thumb as much as a foot when it's gone. <laughs> Ask an amputee, no matter what is missing, if they miss it, they can get by without it sometimes, but they're never whole. They're never complete and they're never as efficient and effective as if they are complete. Nothing is less important and more or more important. So nothing, nothing less important, nothing more important. But without you, and I'm talking to you, without you, something is missing. And someone else cannot just fill that spot. You cannot put a finger necessarily in the place of a toe and it be exactly the same. Like I said, it may limp along, but it will not be as effective without you. There is something that God has planned for you that needs your very specific skills, wisdom, testimony, experience, whatever. If you aren't working in the kingdom, just know that you are missed. Someone is missing your presence and you don't have to know what it is that you're supposed to do or why God has had you do all the things you've done. You just have to start showing up and be willing to serve and I promise you, the rest will fall into place and make sense in time. (laughs) 
So 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks that they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, not about you, but he gives you, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So, it's not about you. He uses you in a, in a positive way, not, not like in a negative way. He uses you. He strengthens you. He gives you what you need. You just have to be willing to do so. Not long after out reading in the, the story in the well in John 4, I read John 6, 1 through 14. And of course, it's the story I grew up my whole life hearing a million times. <laughs> We've got five barley loaves. We've got two fish from a young kid. And there's 5,000 people. And I have to say, I'm pretty sure that these barley loaves were more like the barley, like more like a loaf of bread you get when you go to a steakhouse. Like these are small. These aren't like even the loaf of bread that you get when you go and buy sandwich bread from the store. Two small loaves, sorry, five small loaves, two fish, 5,000 people. And the first step is, the kid was willing to give up what he owned. He gave up what he had. So he was willing to give. And then Jesus prayed. Jesus moved. Jesus did his work and his power. And then there's not only enough, there was left there was there were leftovers. Twelve baskets of leftovers. When we give to others with time, things, money, love, or whatever we're called to give, God does not just show up. God does not just move. God comes with abundance and always comes with that living water. So to kind of wrap this up, we can be like the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is one that flows and, and is full and te- of living things and it's teeming with fish and so forth. But that that sea flows down into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea doesn't give water to anything. It takes and takes and takes and is not living, is not full of fish, is not a good place. So we can either be like the Sea of Galilee that freely gives and is full of life and full of living water, or we can just take and sit stagnant like the Dead Sea. So we can make that choice, but just remember, this isn't all on you. You are not alone. Let's seek that living water. Let's be the Sea of Galilee. I hope that this speaks to you like it speaks to me. I'm pretty overwhelmed by how... (laughs) that I feel like God streamed all this together and I I really pray that this speaks to your life and that you can speak it to others and um, if this podcast meant anything to you I really appreciate any kind of review share anything that just helps kind of boost us up so that we reach more people because 
I'll say it over and over again. This podcast is not for money. This podcast is to um, serve a mission. To um, and he's put on my heart that if if any funds go beyond just covering the cost, we're not quite covering our cost yet. When we get to covering costs, then we are to start giving back to the mission. So this is um, I'm not. It's not officially like a nonprofit, but it is. Um, it may be one day, <laughs> but everything is to give and help spread um, and further the kingdom. So anything you do to support that, um, that is what it's going towards. It is not going in one person's pocket. So with that, have a very blessed week. Go break that dam and go move some boulders and go seek that living water. I'll be praying for you. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.